1: This month's rising agent is Jeremy Chubb with Weikert Realtors Premier in Andover, Minnesota. Last year he closed 19 transactions. This year he closed 213 transactions with a total sales volume of 19.3 million. His average sales price was 90,000 of which 4% were buyers and 96% were sellers. He has a team with eight members. Jeremy Chubb has been an agent for four years. He's a partner of the Jeremy Chubb team. He started real estate right out of high school. Jeremy took a quantum leap in production, going from 19 closings last year to 213 closings this year. He accomplished this through focus, determination, partnership, team building, and a willingness to work 80 hours per week. It's an impressive feat for a young man who just celebrated his 22nd birthday. Jeremy decided he wanted to be a high-producing REO agent. Veteran agents told him it was too late to get into the REO market. Luckily for Jeremy, he did not heed their advice. Instead, he went full force after his goal and never looked back. Jeremy describes how he took on a partner with similar goals, prospected asset managers, and quickly built a team to help him service the business. He talks about how he changed the perception of his young age from a liability to an asset. Jeremy flies all over the nation, meeting bank representatives and asset managers at their location. He uses his youthful energy and perspective to quickly build relationships. Listen to how Jeremy networks with other real estate agents throughout his state and the nation to expand his knowledge of the industry. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com that's free freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Jeremy. Yeah, th- thank you for having me. Jeremy, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what did you do before you got into real estate? <laughs> actually, before
0: I was in real estate, I was actually in high school, so I got in pretty young.
1: How long ago was that? Hmm. Um, four years four years so you've been in the business for four years so you must be a young fella yep 22 22 that's fantastic what made you decide to get into real estate you know i guess i like the business aspect of it
0: and being able to control what you know what you can do and where you can go with everything
1: jeremy do you think when you got in the business do you think you had a fast start or a slow start um i've only been in it four years i mean it's Getting into the
0: REO has definitely, you know, been a faster, you know, start.
1: That very first year, was it a fast start or a slow start? You know, the
0: first year was a little slower. You know, trying to trying to do tr- traditional stuff, but I think you know once they made the shift into REO and getting into the foreclosures, it was definitely, you know, a lot quicker.
1: Did you have family members in the business? What made you decide to do this right out of high school?
0: I know, I was actually a first generation realtor. In high school, I actually interned at a small real estate company.
1: And that's kind of where I got started. So you got the bug. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your market. Where is Andover, Minnesota? Uh, Andover is about 20 minutes north of Minneapolis. So Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, so the Midwest. Describe your current market. What are your average prices, prices? What type of homes are there? Are the prices going up, down, staying flat? Well, what's happening in your market? Okay, um,
0: yeah, Andover is, you know, average sale price about 87000 You know, we have a lot of split, en- split entry homes and ramblers up in the northern suburbs. You know, our average market time is probably, you know, 60 to 90 days. You know, we're seeing a little bit, you know, decrease in price with, uh, you know, amount of foreclosures and the Foreclosure inventory growing in
1: our area. Do you know what the percentage of retail sales versus Ario and short sales are?
0: I know it's you know it's it's pretty high. The foreclosure number is pretty high up you know in this area.
1: Do you think it's the majority of the homes that are being sold? Think it's about half and half? I would say there's probably you know a little over half
0: are foreclosures you know, up in our area, because we do a little bit, you know, we do a lot of the northern suburbs also, who have been, you know, hit worse with foreclosures.
1: Do you have a niche or a specialization in your market?
0: Yes, we do basically just foreclosures.
1: When you say foreclosures, are you working with the people who are in foreclosure and trying to help them with a short sale, or are you working with the banks as a REO agent? Uh, Mostly the banks and being an REO agent. Let's talk about the REO market and what you've done there. How many REOs are you currently receiving each month? You know, on an average, you know, month, we're probably somewhere around 20
0: to 30. I think we're averaging about five or six a week new assignments. So, you know, probably 20, 30 a month.
1: In order to achieve that, how many banks and asset managers are you working with? My team is probably working
0: with about seven at the moment. You know, some some are a little bit, you know, stronger in inventory than others. Yeah, like, you know, we work with HUD. HUD's one of our biggest ones, and
1: Fannie Mae. You've been in the business for four years. How long have you been pursuing the foreclosure market? About two years. How did you break into that market? Did you have resistance? Did people tell you that it was difficult to break into? Yes, realtors told me all the time that you know the foreclosure market is a closed, you know, a
0: closed niche that you know it's very difficult to get in. Um, I initially started when you know HUD wasn't paying a lot, so HUD didn't have a lot of agents that wanted to do, list their houses for them. So that's where I kind of got my start. I'm going just kind of kind of grew from there. Once you have that experience, you know, more banks are willing to take you on.
1: So you started with HUD? Yes, yep. You said that they weren't paying a lot. What were they paying? What do they pay now? What was the transition?
0: Uh, initially it was 1%, but now they're paying 3% to their listing agents.
1: Are they asking you to do more work for them for that additional income?
0: Yes, we are, you know, helping the selling agents a lot more, you know, doing more marketing, trying to do more outreach. I'm just trying to teach our market about, you know, the HUD selling process because HUD has definitely changed their processes a lot, you know, over the last, you know, year.
1: If you were to look back at your business over the last year, what percentage of your business is from HUD? HUD has probably been about 70%. So it's the majority of your business. You mentioned Fannie Mae. What percentage of your business is coming from Fannie Mae? You know, we kind of just shifted into Fannie Mae, so we're a
0: little newer with Fannie Mae, but we you know, our Fannie Mae inventory is definitely growing. I think it's, you know, reached about the same level as HUD. But you know, with Fannie Mae, we got a six month redemption here in Minnesota, so we haven't, you know, a lot of those properties haven't hit the market yet. So, um, but you know, I think, you know,
1: predicting next year, it'll be half and half. And then the remainder of your business is that coming from individual banks? Yep. Yep. We work with some small third-party companies that, you know, work with some other banks. The first bank that you started working with, first REO company, was HUD. Is that correct? Yep. HUD hires
0: a third, you know, third-party management company to manage your properties for them. So I started working with that company
1: initially. So I guess not, you know, not HUD directly, but the company that had the HUD contract. If somebody wanted to do what you did and break into the business. Let's walk through those steps that you took. How did you break into a relationship with the folks that had the HUD contract? You know, it just started with, you know, basically just prospecting,
0: um, just the basics, you know, making the phone calls. You know, then it started, you know, providing good service when they weren't paying a lot because I don't know if they had a lot of agents that were, you know, willing to go above and beyond for such a little amount, you know, like my team was, so. I think that kind of stuck, and now we're you know, the top couple of listening teams in Minnesota for HUD.
1: Can you recall, either with the HUD folks or, or with any of the other banks that you've created relationships with, how do you start the conversation? Do you start with a phone call? Do you start with a letter? How do you initiate that process?
0: You know, I think, I think every asset manager is going to be a little different in how, you know, how to get in contact. I think it's, you know, it's just a numbers game, you know, because I've had, you know, asset managers who have called and emailed and never heard back from. But I've also, you know, had asset managers I'll call once and they'll be like, yeah, you know, we'll give you a shot.
1: How do you start the conversation? Do you just say, hey, I'm an REO agent and I want some work? Or do you offer to do a BPO? How do you start the conversations? You know, I just... And I just kind
0: of you know, enforce that I'm you know, young and driven and you know, ask them you know, what I can do to start you know, working with them. Do I got to start doing you know, second opinion BPO? or so I got to help with property preservation, whatever they need help with.
1: How did you determine who you were going to contact? Did you have a list, a contact list of some type with a list of names of asset managers and their phone numbers? Or did you just say, I want to work with that group and just call them up?
0: You know, I had a I had a list of companies and then I just kind of, you know, did research online and, you know, tried to get names of asset managers and, you know, then just called them.
1: Where'd you get your list of companies that you started with? Did you find that online or did somebody hand that to you? How did you get that list? You know, I think I just, you know, just Googled, Googled it and then I got a list from there. And then
0: my broker, my broker actually had a list he gave me and, yeah, I mean, they're not, I mean, the lists aren't too hard to find for asset management companies, so getting in the door, with, which is more difficult.
1: How do you establish and create these relationships with these asset managers? You know, I actually fly and meet with them
0: and
1: try to build a relationship that way. How soon after first contact do you fly out and meet with them? You know, once again, every asset manager is
0: different. You know, some of them are you know more personable. Some of them are just you know strictly business. So if you're performing, I mean, they don't really care about you know meeting you that much. They just want you know your performance to be good. Um, you know, I try to meet you know, and well, the bigger clients maybe once a quarter.
1: When you go out to those meetings, what's happening there? Are you going into their office and chatting with them there? Are you taking them out to lunch? What does that meeting look like?
0: You know, sometimes we'll go to lunch. Um, you know, sometimes they will be in, the, you know, go to the office, depending on how busy they are. It's just trying to determine, you know, you know how that asset manager works and how you know, how they want to work with their agents. And you know, cause some of them don't want, you know, they don't really want to make friends. They just want to get their job done so they can go home and see their family at five o'clock. So.
1: So are the conversations typically more business-oriented with the processes and procedures, or are they on a more personal level where you're talking about the latest sports game?
0: You know, some of them we talk about, you know, sports and football and music. Some of the, you know, some of the younger ones that I get along with more, you know, and then some of the older ones we just talk about, you know, what, what can we do to, you know, do our job better and, you know, how they want to see their properties and,
1: if somebody wanted to break into the REO business and develop some of these relationships, what would you recommend that they do? You know I think you know, probably just start you know, start networking,
0: maybe try and talk to another REO agent in, you know, in another state, maybe some of the REO agents in their state that are willing to share. I know some are, some aren't. I'm you know, just kind of doing that stuff. like I still network with some of the you know, top REO agents in, you know, in this state. Um, because there's just so much of the REO business right now that not
1: one person can handle it all. How did you locate these folks to start networking? You know, some of them you just like know. Um, you
0: know, some of the local ones you, you just know who they are. You know, some of the national ones, I think it's you know just networking, and I think if you do enough research, they just
1: they're you know they're on the map. Are you looking them up on Google? Are you meeting them at conferences? How are you meeting these folks? Um, You know, you can Google top, you know, top REO agents. You know, some of the local
0: ones around here we've just met because you know, as REO works, you know, properties get reassigned, and we kind of meet each other that way. And yeah, and just you know, take you know, been to lunch with a couple of them.
1: You've been pursuing the REOs for two years. This last year seems like it's gone really well. The first year sounds like it was a little slower with 19 closings. Did it take you a full year to get ramped up into the business?
0: You know, I think it it, it just took that long to you know, to kind of prove myself
1: and build more relationships and get more inventory. You mentioned you have the strong HUD contract. How did you establish that initial relationship? Did you just make a phone call? Did you go knock on their door, or is their office local to you? How did you get that relationship going?
0: Well, their office, uh, they used to have an office in Minneapolis, but that's not initially how I got in. I just basically called and I think they were just looking for agents and they like filled out a packet, so I filled out a packet and I just kind of got started that way.
1: And then you just caught the flow as their volume increased, that their structure changed, where they were paying more compensation. Yep.
0: Yeah, but initially I put you know, I put a lot of effort into the work, you know, when it wasn't as good. I don't know if they had a lot of agents, you know, performing at peak levels at that point, so that's kind of how it got, you know, ramped up as it did.
1: Do you have a certain geographic area that HUD will give you all the listings in that geographic area, or do they mix up all the homes in that area between different agents? You know, there's a couple
0: agents in my area. Um, I thought was getting a little more geographic. Initially, they were, you know, I was probably within, you know, an hour of the office, but now it's gotten a little better. And it just, just kind of depends on, you know, you know, the properties they get in. And you know, I think they got me going about, you know, half hour, 45 minutes away you on know, some days.
1: How far was your furthest one away? I think my furthest one
0: I've had away would be be St. Cloud, which is about hour and 15 minutes from my office, you know, and then, you know, south as far as an hour, probably within a couple hundred mile radius initially.
1: Were they giving them to you in all different directions, or were you sinking a patch of them all in one location?
0: They were sending me everywhere.
1: Were you initially getting brand new listings or assignments, or were you getting reassignments from other agents that weren't able to sell? Initially, just new stuff. Um, you know, HUD is pretty good at getting their
0: um, properties, you know, sold pretty quick. They sell, you know, they price them pretty aggressively.
1: What is your current responsibility for HUD? What do you do for them from the beginning to the end? What is their process? You know, they sign the properties, and then we do inspections on them, and then
0: transaction coordinating. You know, make sure these properties get closed on time. Outreach, you know, doing outreach to, you know, selling agents and, you know, making sure they understand the process of buying a HUD home. It's a lot different than a traditional transaction. Yeah,
1: HUD's a little different world than REO. HUD does their own bidding process on the offers, for instance, you don't have to do the contract negotiation, correct? Nope, nope, no contract negotiation. Let's step back for a minute. You get the original assignment. Do you have to acquire possession? Do you have to go do a occupancy check? We do an initial inspection because, you know, once we get the HUD properties, they are already vacant.
0: Because the, the service servicers actually for close on the properties, and then they convey them back to HUD.
1: So you don't have to worry about throwing an occupant out? No, not, not, not on HUD properties. So that makes it easier and a little quicker. Yes, yep. Do you do rekeying of the property? Uh, nope,
0: nope HUD, uh, HUD has contractors that take care of that also.
1: So you go in and do an initial inspection. Do you put together a report and send that on the HUD? Yep,
0: yep, yep. any hazard issues, we have to report to them.
1: What would be a hazard issue that you would need to report back to them? Uh, you know, tripping
0: hazards. You know anything that appears to be unsafe, you know electrical-wise, uh, broken windows.
1: So you do your initial report, you send it back to HUD. What happens next?
0: Then HUD orders their appraisal. Um, you know once they do that, then we got to go out there again and you know reinspect the property, and make sure it's you know still market ready, and then from there we you know, put it on the market. And then it goes on HUDHomester.com, and then you know bidding process starts.
1: And then do you put on your local MLS? Yep. Yep. Okay, so that's one of the tasks that you take care of. Do you field calls from agents, buyers' agents? Yep, we field calls from agents and you know, buyers also. And you know, we try to filter out a lot of the buyer leads to our you know, buyer, buyers' agents. Once the property has a contract on it, are you out of the picture or do you continue to work on that project all the way through closing? Yep, yep, we still we, we still work on the process. Um, you know,
0: just stay in touch with the selling agents, trying to figure out how we can help get that property closed, you know, as quick as possible.
1: You said that you're trying to break into Fannie Mae, or you've already actually started that process of working with Fannie Mae. Uh, how did you initiate that?
0: You know, just started making contacts that way too, and then you know we had to make a, make a lot of contacts uh-huh. to get to get to the right person we needed to talk to, and from that point. You know, got introduced to him and then flew down there and
1: met them and kind of just got going. To make the initial contact, did you send a letter? Were you making a phone call, sending an email? What did you do to make the contact with Fannie Mae? Just the email. So you started that email conversation. It went well. And did you fly down to meet them before you had the contract or after? You know, we went
0: after we had it. You know, if you, you can get the contract, but if you're not, you know, getting assignments, you know, what what good is a contract? So,
1: you're making these quarterly flights out and travel to meet the asset managers in order to continue to get a flow of business or increase your flow of business.
0: You know, a little bit of both, and just trying to, you know, figure out, you know, what we can do. You know, so, you know, they're seeing changes on their end too, so it's you know, good to figure out what you know, what they're looking for and what we can do to, you know, get better.
1: What do asset managers want to see from you? What are they looking for from you? Timelines.
0: They, you know, definitely, they're definitely about their timelines and uh, getting properties sold and getting property sold on time. But yeah, de- you know, biggest thing is definitely timelines.
1: Is that because their compensation is tied to the timelines?
0: I believe so. And I believe they're you know rewarded for you know meeting timelines.
1: Do you receive a deadline or a timeline that you have to get a property sold by, otherwise it'll be reassigned? I don't think there's
0: an exact deadline. I think it's just property. It depends on the property and if
1: it's been offers or not.
0: Yeah, it, it just depends on the asset manager too.
1: You not only have ramped up quickly with your volume of business, but you've also ramped up quickly with your team members. You currently have seven. How many team members did you have, say, two years ago when you first started to look at REO?
0: You know, it was just me and a partner, you know, back, you know, two years ago. So it was a lot different, different back then. You know, but now that we have the, you know, volume, we definitely need more staff.
1: Okay, so it was you and one other person initially. When did you start bringing in staff?
0: You know, once HUD started growing, we uh, brought in more staff. You know, the HUD, you know, HUD process started changing. We needed more, you know, people helping with the transaction and that kind of stuff.
1: How long ago was that?
0: Probably about a year ago now.
1: Let's go down the list of the people that are working for you by position, you know, their title, and then give a quick description of what they're doing. So who's on your team?
0: It's myself and a partner. You know, we manage, you know, evictions, the cash for keys. Um, you know, we do some of the BPOs, and then from there we have an assistant, and she helps with, you know, inspections, uploading inspections, you know, helping with transaction, coordinating that kind of stuff. Then we have a person helping with our BPOs, and you know, marketing updates. And then we have a runner, and he, you know, he checks on the properties probably about once a week. You know, make sure they're you know, in good condition, not flooding, not, you know, you know, not on fire, no issues. And we have our buyer's agent who handles, you know, all of our buyer leads. And we have someone helping, you know, managing repairs and that kind of stuff. And so with the Fannie Mae properties, we are in charge of, you know, fixing
1: them up, getting new carpet, paint, you know, appliances. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV. Real Estate Agent Lead Generation Television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now back to the show. Do you currently have two buyer agents or just the one? Oh yep, we have two. You said a runner is that the same as a field rep?
0: Yep, yep. If our field reps are you know checking on properties that kind of stuff.
1: And do you have one or two field reps?
0: We have one more full time than one part time.
1: And you've brought somebody in to also start managing repairs. Yep. Who does the bookkeeping? Who's tracking all your receipts to try to make sure you get reimbursements? Our assistant actually also does that process. You brought a lot of people in rather quickly. How did you find these people? You know, just you
0: know, internet, um, Craigslist, Career.com, like you know, those kind of websites.
1: Are all the people on your team licensed?
0: Ah, uh, nope, nope. We have one, two, uh, four of us are licensed.
1: And I assume that's you, your partner, and your two buyer agents. Yep. Let's talk about you and your partner. When did you establish your partnership? Uh, probably about a year and a half ago.
0: I think we're, we just had the same goals in mind, so we just kind of worked.
1: Uh, who is your partner? Uh, His name is Rory. Were you and Rory working in the same office? Yep, yep. And you both decided to go after the REO market and you teamed up?
0: Yep, yep.
1: Is Rory also your age? Mm, he's a little. I think he's probably twenty-six, twenty-seven. Have you both been in the business the same amount of time? I think he's been in about two years, two two and a half maybe. What made you decide to partner up rather than going on your own? You know, I think I think you just need to
0: have you know another person you know in the audio market just because there's so many responsibilities and. You know, it's definitely you know, benefit you know, both of our businesses to be you know, a team. I think we you know, definitely accomplish more as a team than you know, being individuals.
1: Do you combine all your business together, including all your sphere of influence and other business, or is it just the REO business that you work together on? Uh, basically, just REO at this point. So you have your separate business separately. Do you have a formal partnership agreement? Yes,
0: we have an LLC together.
1: Do you split the tasks evenly amongst you where you're each doing the same thing, or are each of you responsible for different facets of the business?
0: We more split properties. You know what tasks we do on each property.
1: And is it just a round robin? You just go back and forth when the assignments come in? Or do you pick certain areas you like to work in? Uh, It's just, just kind of round robin is the 50/50 partnership? Do you guys split everything equally? Yep, yep. The remaining people on the team, are they getting paid a salary or do they get a commission? Our staff
0: are paid hourly, but our buyer's agent gets uh, you know, percentage.
1: What advice could you give somebody who's trying to build a team?
0: Interview a lot of people, try and find the right ones. Ask for referrals, ask for people Know, other people and see if they know anyone good. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, real estate is a, you know, in, you know, in REO, I don't think real estate's a, you know, real estate experience is really needed. Um, because it's so much different than traditional. So we interviewed a lot of people that had real estate experience, but it's just, you know, a lot different on um, what we were doing, you know, compared to
1: traditional real estate, which they've done before. What was the order that you brought people in? Who was your first hire? My um, first hire was actually a assistant. After you brought in the assistant, who did you bring in next? Uh, We brought in the runner.
0: And then from there, we brought in the, you know, somebody helping us with our BPOs and, you know, marketing updates. You know, then we brought in someone to help with, you know, help with repairs, you know, as Fannie Mae got, you know, growing and we were, you know, seeing more of those properties come out, you know, come out of redemption and started fixing those up. You know, then there was a buyer's agent. Then we needed, you know, then we brought another, you know, kind of part-time field re- you know, field rep.
1: I assume that your job and tasks have changed in that time. How do you see your role in the company at this point? You know, basically just, you know, overseeing everything, um, delegating a lot of stuff
0: out. Um, like before, me you and know, my partner used to do, upload the HUD inspections ourselves. But now that we have more responsibilities with Fannie Mae, we've kind of taken that role. And delegated it to you know, someone else. So.
1: What are your roles and responsibilities with Fannie Mae? Fannie Mae has got us doing just about
0: everything, you know, from the eviction to repairing the properties, um, to closing the properties, you know, to managing them. And...
1: Was that a difficult transition to go from the HUD properties where you have service providers handling a lot of that eviction issue to where you're going to have to step in with your team and handle the eviction? You know, it's it's definitely different. I think when you,
0: you know, land a big contract like that, you know, you're more excited than, you know, kind of nervous, I guess you could say. So you're kind of ready to go and, you know, take it all in and learn it all.
1: Have you had any challenges with walking up to someone's house and having to throw a family out on the street, the eviction process?
0: You know, some of the cash for keys, you know, have their instances where, you know, people, you know, need more time or want more time or... You know you get to the house and they you know still need a couple more hours to clean it and but I think you know I think you just show, you know show the people compassion and they you know respect you and you know, try to do the best they can on getting out so
1: Let's talk about the financial requirements of being an REO agent. I've heard that you have to put money up on each of these properties before you get paid at the end. Is that true? Yes, yep. Let's break them out on the HUD properties. How much money do you think you put up for each listing that you take on? You know, with HUD, we, you know, we don't manage utilities or you know, that kind of stuff, so we're not putting a lot out for HUD. Do you think it's zero or do you think it's a couple hundred bucks? What do you think it is for your HUD deals? Yeah, it's probably about 100 because so we thought, you know, with signs and lock boxes and, you know, marketing, it's probably, you know, 100, 200 you know, per property. How about Fannie Mae? Is is it more expensive when you take on those listings? Uh, yes. Yep. Fannie Mae is quite a bit
0: more expensive because, you know, we're paying cash for keys out-of-pocket, um, utilities out-of-pocket, you know, in- inspections out-of-pocket. So Fannie Mae is, you know, probably about, you know, $1,000, 1200 per property.
1: How do you get that money back?
0: Uh, reimbursements. Our, you know, assistant handles getting reimbursements and submitting reimbursements.
1: And how does that process work? You put the money up for the cash for keys, and and then what happens? You know, then we keep track of it, and then we just, you know, upload it into the systems.
0: And then they, you know, send us a check, you know, probably five to six weeks weeks later.
1: So you have a five- or six-week float? Yes, yep. Did you have to have some money in the bank before you could take on these Fannie Mae properties?
0: Yes, yep. Yep, yeah, you know, I think you probably want, you know, to start out maybe twenty, twenty, thirty thousand. You know, it depends on, you know, you know where you're at and you know, everything like that, because you know we've had to put new, you know, septic systems in houses, and you know, that can get spendy.
1: How much is a new septic system? Up in our area, it's about thirteen thousand. Wow! And you've had to front that money? Yes. Yep. What would happen if you were not able to front that money? Would Fannie Mae take the property back or end your contract?
0: You know, They probably would reassign the property. You know, It's hard to say what they do with the, you know, the full contract. They may, they may work with you on some other areas.
1: How about the individual banks that you're working with or the individual asset managers that are not part of HUD or Fannie Mae? Are you going to put money up for those transactions as well? Uh, Some of them are paying utilities on, you know, some of them aren't as,
0: you know, financially, you know, aren't too tough, but, yeah, you know, utilities on, you know, we pay utilities on pretty much all of our REO stuff, that's not HUD, so.
1: You brought up cash for keys and taking possession for the Fannie Mae properties, you already received possession on HUD. Once you receive the possession, what happens next? What do you do on these properties? Once we get a Fannie Mae,
0: we, you know, we typically get it at a, a sheriff's sale. In Minnesota is a redemption state, so we have six months. We have to watch that property. You know, once we get the property, we do our, you know, initial occupancy check. If it's vacant, we can try and shorten the redemption to five weeks. But if it's occupied, then we've got to watch it. You know, we do weekly inspections, you know, for the six months that it's in redemption. And then, you know, you know once it's out of redemption, then we, you know, work on the cash keys negotiations.
1: And getting those, you know, homeowners out of the properties. And that's at the end of the six-month redemption period. Yep. So you're tracking these properties for quite a while. Yep. Yep. Are you being compensated during the six months that you're watching that property? Or are you waiting all the way to the end where you're going to get paid a commission? We are waiting all the way to the end. We have no compensation until. These have some long time horizons. Yep. Yep. Definitely. So you got to have some staying power. <laughs> yep. Once you take over occupancy, what happens next?
0: You know, from that point, we do our we do our initial BPO, and then we decide you know if we feel it's you know appropriate you know home to you know fix up or repair, or, you know then we can kind of do that process. You know, and then you know once the repairs are done, then we you know list the property
1: and negotiate offers and you know follow through with the transaction to closing. What are you doing to market these properties? You know, we do a lot of, you know, internet advertising. Um, we do some print.
0: I don't know if print's you know, as big up in our area as it once was. You know, we, we put on the MLS, you know, yard signs.
1: Are you receiving a lot of calls from the yard signs?
0: You know, yeah, quite, you know, quite a bit. You know, we also do hotline stuff in the yards, too, so we get a lot of leaps from that.
1: Are you doing that by yourself or are you doing that with somebody else, these hotlines? You know, we actually teamed up with
0: these mortgage consultants and they put the signs in the yards and the, you know, they filter the calls and they call the leads and, you know, and they filter that and, you know, the good leads they send to us. and So, I mean, they kind of got that process down. Has that been generating business for you? You know, yeah, I think, you know, buyer's agents have, you know, had some you know success with that.
1: Your buyer agents prefer it that way, that the lead go over to the mortgage company first to be qualified and then sent back to you? Yep.
0: You know, a buyer's agents still follow up with the leads too, you know, once they see someone called on the property. Um, so, you know, the buyers are kind of getting hit with, you know, you know, two people are calling them. A lot of cold leads.
1: Both your company, your buyer agents, and the mortgage company are receiving the lead at the same time then? Yep, it comes across on an email. So as soon as as soon as they call, we talked a little bit about the HUD offers when they come in. Uh, that's handled by HUD. How about the Fannie Mae offers? Does Fannie Mae handle all their offers, or do you have to get involved in that process? We handle all the Fannie Mae offers.
0: so We got to upload them all.
1: Do you have any secrets for that process? Do you provide buyer agents with a list, a checklist of things that they have to send you, or addendums? How do you make that process go smoother? We've put supplements on our MLS, and then we have an email just specifically for offers.
0: It's like an email address, so they can send, you know, send all offers to that address, so then you know, like my, you know, my email isn't you know, getting all these offers. It kind of helps keep
1: things organized. How long is your contract with HUD? Is it for a, a month, a quarter, a year? I believe it's a year where they have the right to cancel it at cancel it at any time. How about Fannie Mae's same idea? Yep, yep, a year. Is there a lot of paperwork reporting that you have to do with these REO properties?
0: Yes, there's a lot of you know inspections we have to do and you know record keeping we have to keep and you know, you know we just got to stay on top of our properties.
1: How often do you have to send in a report? typically once a week. Did you say your assistant is taking care of those reports? Yep. Who's doing your BPOs? Me or my partner will do
0: them, or we have a person that specifically does BPOs and, you know, marketing updates for us. How do you decide who's going to do it? You know, some of the initial BPOs me or my partner will do. Um, It's kind of like a round robin, Um, but if it's like updates, You know, we'll we'll look up all that information and then we just have, you know, have our
1: BPO person, you know, upload it. How do you recommend an agent get good at doing the BPOs? Learn your market. Preview houses, you know,
0: research MLS. You know, definitely about knowing the market.
1: Jeremy, you've got a lot of people running around there. You've, You've built up a quick team. You've have some salaries now and some money you have to put up front. Is your operation profitable? Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Do you know what your profit margin percentage is? You know, I guess I haven't, you know, ran those numbers. Um,
0: I think, you know, starting out is going to be a lot you know, different than, you know, managing a team and,
1: you know, managing the whole, you know, whole process. Do you have a target profit margin that you're trying to hit? I don't know, just, you know, make sure we're not in the red. It's probably the ultimate goal. Do you pay yourself a salary, or are you just getting a percentage of the profits? Oh, well, for tax reasons, I pay myself a salary. How did you educate yourself about the REO market? Um, Just a lot of research. Research, networking,
0: and once again, talking to other REO agents.
1: Did you take any classes? Did you follow any educational systems?
0: You know, I actually did take one class for continuing education that was on you know, building an REO team.
1: Okay, so that was put on locally there then? Yep. Well, it must be very common there if you have a continuing education class on team building in the REO business.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, everyone Everyone has a
1: goal of, you know, in this market getting into REO and building that team. Jeremy, why have you been successful in the REO business? Uh, you know, probably just, you know, consistency. You know, and
0: striving to be, you know, better, you know, and growing, and definitely having a good team probably actually one of the biggest things. So you get to a point where you can't, I mean, you can't do it by yourself, so
1: if your team's not good, then you're only as good as your weakest link. Have you had to let any weak links go? Yeah, initially.
0: You know, it was more, you know, it was more of a mutual thing, but you know, I don't think she expected the growth that we were going to have. How did you pull all this together? You know, I just, I just kept working at it. I think, you know.
1: How big do you think that it'll get?
0: I think we're, you know, as a team, hoping to, you know, do about 200 transactions this year, and you know, pushing for 250 next year. So, I definitely think there's a lot of, you know, growth. I guess the sky's the limit. So.
1: So your goal this year is to get up to 200 and 250 for next year? Yep. Do you have a longer-term goal? You know, I think, you know,
0: investments. I want to get, you know, investment in real estate and that kind of stuff.
1: Have you jumped off that cliff yet? Have you purchased any investment real estate? You know, I did. I'm actually doing my first flip now, so. Are you able to purchase your own inventory?
0: Every bank is different on that also. Um, You know, HUD houses we can, we just have to get certain approval. Um, Fannie Mae, I don't know if they, you know, encourage it. Some of our smaller banks don't, you know, don't like it.
1: On those HUD properties, do you have to let them go out to the owner occupied bidders first?
0: Yep. Yep, 30 days. Owner occupants.
1: And if no one bids there, it goes out to investors and you could participate in that. Do you see the REO business in your area growing, stagnant, or shrinking?
0: Definitely think there's going to be growth in REO in the Twin Cities. Um, I've talked to asset managers who have, have told me they have a couple years of backlog inventory um, that they're expecting. So I definitely think there's going to be you know, growth in REO.
1: Do you have a business plan? Uh, yes. Do you write that up once a year? How often do you refer to it? I probably write up, you know, I write one up each year and then maybe look at it once a month.
0: How do you keep your staff
1: accountable?
0: You know, sometimes we try to have meetings, you know, maybe once every couple weeks.
1: So there's no formal meeting
0: once a week? Not, Not at this point. I think it's, you know, it's just if, you know, it's something new we learned or something new we got to do. We just try to have a meeting on it.
1: How did you develop the systems to run your business?
0: You know, I think just, you know, kind of trial and error and you know, input from, you know, the, you know, everyone on the team.
1: Did you follow any models? Have you received or seen any models, read about any, or received any from any of the other agents you've networked with?
0: I um, mean, yeah, I've definitely got some, you know, advice from other agents. I guess, you know, that's another place to get, you know, ideas and, you know, how to, and how to grow and, you know, because they're, they're already doing it, so. How many listings do you currently have? Um, I think between active and pending, we're probably at about 80, 90. In our inventory, we have about, you know, 170 properties
1: because, you know, because of the redemption properties we have. And of that, how many are under contract? I think, I think on average, we're probably,
0: you know, watching maybe, you know, 25, 30, you know, pending properties. How do you keep control of your time? I guess that's, You know, somewhere I need to grow. (laughs) When when you're young, you try to to work a lot, you try to do it all.
1: How many hours do you think you're working in a typical week? Probably 80. Are you working the weekends? Ah, yes.
0: Yep, a lot of, you know, doing a lot of cash for keys on the weekend.
1: Are there any numbers that you like to track? Any metrics that you like to follow? Uh, I like
0: to track our, you know, closings each quarter. How I try to set, you know, I set a goal for, you know, certain, you know, X amount of properties closed in a quarter. I like to track that.
1: Do you have any affiliate businesses, a business other than your real estate business, a mortgage or title or some other business? I do not. Nope. Just, just the investment flip I have right now. Did you have any mentors or trainers that helped you get into this business or get moving in it?
0: You know, definitely my brokers. You know, my broker helped me out with it, and I think you know having a good partner. You know, finding that partner that has the same goals and same you know dreams that you do, and wants to
1: accomplish you know accomplish it, definitely makes you amped up. Are you and your partner? Are you very similar in your personalities or different? Mm, we we are we are pretty different. And the qualities that you both bring to the table are are they different? Well, I th- yeah, I think we have different. Yeah, we definitely have different qualities. Certain. If you had to try to identify, what do you think that you bring to the table versus what does your partner bring to the table? I think he's he's a
0: little more, you know, outgoing and aggressive. And I'm probably more, you know, analytical.
1: Do you find that he's more in the field or talking to the asset managers and you're more in the office running all the paperwork? You
0: know, we, I think we try and meet the asset managers together. You know, he's definitely, you know, better at, like, digging in with the asset managers and trying to figure out more information from them. I think he's, you know, and he he does a lot of the managing the team and that kind of stuff. And I I watch timelines and repairs and, you know, the more analytical side of things. You know, where our goals going? Jeremy, what drives you? I think the goals, you know, the goals and the idea, you know, trying to, you know, reach those goals and, You know, know, get get to higher levels in the
1: business. Jeremy, why are you successful? Dream big and, you know, work hard to, you know, accomplish dreams and goals.
0: Yeah, I guess anything's possible if you you work hard enough for it.
1: Jeremy, if you were to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Tell them to, you know, start learning their market.
0: You know, start, you know, previewing for closed homes, you know, start doing opens for closed homes, you know, maybe, you know, trying to pick up buyers first, maybe trying to, you know, call asset managers, because I think, you know, if you can, you know, portray yourself as, you know, knowledgeable in real estate, I think, you know, an asset manager will give a, you know, a newer agent a shot.
1: Is there any other advice that you would like to give or impart to somebody who would like to get into the REO business?
0: Be consistent. Don't take no for an answer. I mean, what you know? What's the worst that's gonna happen? You know, if you call an asset manager, you know, a couple times a month, it's not like you got the contract already. So, you know, just you know, stay consistent and you know, try to out outshine other you know other agents in the area. And
1: when you're doing your follow-up to asset managers, is that how often you're contacting them? A couple times a month?
0: Yeah, you know, some of the newer ones, yeah. You know, maybe touch base once a week, once maybe every two weeks you know, depending on, you know, depending on, you know, who they are and
1: you know, who they're with. Jeremy, do you have any advice for someone who is young and trying to get into the business like you did? You know, I guess, you know, just try and use being young as a, you know, advantage, not a
0: disadvantage. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, other agents have the perception that being young in real estate is not, you know, not the best thing. You know, so just, you know, portray to your clients and and other people that, you know, you still can, you know, still, you know, you still know the market and what you're doing.
1: So you try to turn that disadvantage into an advantage? Yes, yeah. What benefit do you attribute to the youth? Yeah, I think,
0: you know, being, you know, more driven, more aggressive, you know, I think more, you know,
1: more willing to go above and beyond,
0: you know, more energy.
1: Jeremy is there anything about your story that we haven't talked about you know anything's possible if you're driven enough well Jeremy you've proven that anything is possible if you're driven enough you're focused goal oriented ambitious persistent and determined you broke into the ario business when everyone told you you were too young and too late instead you put your head down Worked hard, broke in, built up, and reaped the rewards, all in record time. I can't wait to hear what you do next year. Thank you again for being our Rising Agent of the Month. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five star review and write a quick comment. I read them all.
0: You've been listening to the Mastermind Agent, Interview of the Month Club, where top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com.